Heads up, Jacob here from that time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting, otherwise known as the Over Manga Cast. This week we ventured into the mysterious lands of Hell's Paradise by Yuki Kaku. We braved chapters 1 through 16, so keep your guard up, watch out for bugs, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam, and as always, here at the top of the show, we talk about what our familiarity with the franchise we read this week is. Uh, frankly, I feel like I should have something to say here because, man, this is the perfect thing for an edgy bitch like me. Unfortunately, I've never heard of it before, so I'm glad to be enlightened now. Uh, Jacob, how about you? Uh, in all honesty, I know I've seen Hell's Paradise like when I've been scrolling through Shonen Jump. But I I haven't ever really perceived it. I didn't really realize it was there. Uh, so it's to me all the time. New for me as well. Uh, Jay, how about you? Mm, completely new. All right. And Matt. So Hell's Paradise is one of those manga I see come up and I see people recommend it to each other all the time. It hits a bunch of top 10 lists. So I'm like, oh, I'll check this out. And every single time I've looked at the front page and been like, nah, this looks like some edgy nonsense I wouldn't enjoy. And, uh, you know, lesson behold, uh, don't judge books by their covers. <laughs> uh, typically not a good idea. Now, let's not let's not be mistaken here. It is edgy nonsense, but what? <laughs> It's more than that. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, you can tell it's edgy nonsense because the very first line is decapitation demands exemplary sword technique as a man is sitting there about to get his head cut off. The first spoken line of dialogue is any parting words. But um, alas for these executioners, uh, this boy does not die as the sword breaks on the back of his neck. And they wonder if he's using ninjutsu to keep himself alive. And he's like, nah, you guys just suck. And this is our introduction to our main character, Gabimaru. <laughs> I already love this guy. <laughs> yeah, same. He reminds me of another like care carefree character that I that I gravitate towards, but I'm the name escapes me at this moment. Maybe it'll come to you during the episode. We have uh, Gabimaru the Hollow, a ninja of some renown who has been captured after a mission gone bad, and he has resigned himself to his fate of execution. <clears throat> However, it seems his uh, captors are really bad at it because nothing they do seems to be able to kill him. They burn him at mm. the stake and it just burns off his clothes. He's mildly perturbed about this. Yeah, he's not a pervert. Jeez. Look, I'm telling you, I'm not actually trying to resist. In fact, I'm trying to get killed here. By the way, lady taking all this down, why are you facing the other way? If you're if you're that worried about the fact that I all my clothes are burned off, you could just give me something to wear. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, also introduces our other character, though her name has not been given yet. And actually does a very good job of establishing their dynamic. <laughs> yes. As uh, this character, whose name will be revealed later, is Sigiri. Uh, she is extremely rigid in her thinking, sticking to the rules to the point of just making things harder because that's <laughs> that's not in the rules. Why, why would I uh, break protocol for this? The bureaucracy demands. <laughs> mm hmm. 
Uh, she yeah. she's presented as a bureaucrat at first, kind of like in the incarcerated like counseling division or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be Her, fair, she is a bureaucrat. Well, yeah, yeah she is also a bureaucrat. It, it is worth noting. Yeah, but uh, sh- she's presented as just being a simple record taker, uh, gathering the statements from Gabimaru uh, on what's going on, you know, noting down the various failed torture or uh, execution methods, such as being drawn and quartered by oxen, burned at the stake, boiled in oil. None of these work. I like how the oxen were the ones who almost died from the. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I'm the... really not resisting here. <laughs> <laughs> that one actually kind of tickled. I love how the magistrate gets more and more angry. Like, I told you to stop resisting. I mean, you literally can't even kill me. So it makes you think you'll be able to hurt me for this. Uh, all this frustration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you angry. Just be better. Mm-hmm. Stop sucking at your job. Kill me already. As I tell Sam all the time, have you considered just being better? Yeah, Gabimaru is extremely disrespectful in his entire demeanor. Uh, We learn through his continued statements that he was captured as part of a one last mission sort of deal. He had been married to the daughter of the chief of the ninja village, uh, except she was this total weenie complete wallflower just this most unninja like person you've ever met she values life the stupidest most naive possible wife you could ever possible have this airhead couldn't possibly put two and two together <laughs> yeah he's just laying into her and he's like so this was getting me so off my game i asked the i asked the village chief to let me divorce her and leave and he said i needed to do one more mission and it was a setup and now here i am oh wait was the goal for him to divorce her no but he did want he did want to leave he's like i'm so- done with this yeah, the divorce is an implication because at this point, I mean, hopefully you've done the reading already. At this point, it's very heavily implying that he wanted to leave the village to get away from his wife. We learn later that that's not true. I think at this point, he's kind of convinced himself of this lie because he, he does seem pretty out of it at this point. I mean, um, my read of the situation was he was just struggling. He's still I mean, it it comes to a head later on, but he's still struggling with these emotions. He was built as this very hard warrior type. And, you know, I am a killing machine. And then he's put with this person who is completely opposite and so airheaded and so what have you. And he's he's starting to see the beauty in that. And there's a bit of like envy and, you know, it stirs inner conflict with this. And yeah, he hasn't fully internalized his relationship with his wife yet. It's Mm -hmm. beautiful. I love this. That should have happened on their wedding night. What? (sighs) Should have internalized his relationship with his wife. Shut up, Matt. (laughs) Matt. (laughs) Wait, if he's internalizing, are you assuming that he's being pegged or? Yes. Eh, I won't hey, judge. We don't kink shame on the Overmonkey yeah. cast. You know that. I kink ask why. <laughs> You're right. We don't. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> What's actually happening in this manga is that now uh, Gabimaru is being uh, taken to what will surely be his final execution. We're going to boil him in oil. The pot explodes and he's 
I gotta say, this monk goes so hard with the art sometimes mm-hmm. because uh, the pot of oil explodes because, as it turns out, the pottery isn't built to withstand over 300 degrees Celsius worth of uh, temperature. And he stands there shrouded in darkness with uh, flames all around him and like the oil splattering around like he's a demon on the fields of hell. It is so cool. Yeah, this manga does a really cool thing, too, with its violence, where it will sometimes just go hyper detailed Mm -hmm. Um, and it'll also do like uh, they'll represent like the character's reaction time with, oh, this is me getting smashed into a pulp or like eviscerated and like oh well good thing that's not gonna happen because i'm gonna dodge yeah yeah they pull that trick a lot (laughs) they do a lot of like metaphor work in this with um well we'll get to my favorite one later but uh as he's being led to his actual true final execution for real this time he sees the uh record taker uh, in a samurai robe, uh, kneeling in a room waiting for him. And it's like, well, what's going on? Ah, well, you see, this lady is no mere inspector. She is a cool sword lady with a badass nickname. The most powerful thing in manga. Pretty much. Yeah, it is true. And the yep. best part is she has done all this research to determine that he is not as willing of the ex. She's a very good therapist and determines that he is actually not uh, completely um, wanting to die as he so purports. He actually does does a little. There's a little bit of him that does want to live. And guess and who he wants to live for? Why do you want to live, Gabimaru? I bet it's because you love your wife. <gasps> Gabimaru loves his Love's wife, wife, everybody. Is- what a girl loving weenie pants. <laughs> oh, I don't love my wife. But yes. Wait, no, I do. <laughs> we, we learned that she is Yamada Aseman Sigiri, a member of the Yamada clan, a clan that specializes in blade testing and head chopping. I, I was about to say, as I was reading the idea for the, both this clan and their style of swordsmanship, I'm like, there has never been a more detailed structure of a clan exactly to Sam's preferences. <laughs> <laughs> it is an entire martial art about studying human anatomy so that you can perform executions perfectly. <laughs> Look, dude, don't call me out like this. Is he wrong, though? He's not, but come on. In front of everybody. I I approve, Sam. Thank you, I approve of this. Uh, And this is where we get the first of the uh, fake-out deaths as Gabimaru's head flies from his shoulders, and he's like, oh, so that's what she's capable of. Well, better not let that happen. And they fight toe-to-toe. Mm-hmm. It's pretty freaking rad. Uh, we get more of the sick uh, art detail and uh, combat techniques. You know, a lot of times in action heavy manga, I sometimes have trouble following what's going on in the fights. I had much less problem uh, mm-hmm. with this particular manga. The flow of uh, action scenes is very uh, easy to read. It also helps that uh, I don't think the same two body types ever fight each other. Mm. Yeah. Which is very convenient. It's it's easy to follow. And uh, as 
they are continuing to fight. We get more flashbacks from Gabimaro as he's desperately trying to proclaim that he is a hollow man uh, without emotion, without sentiment. And we see flashbacks of his wife and then having this adorable little domestic moment where he's continuing to try and be an edgy boy. And she says, look, I see through that bull. You are a good person. Part of the reason why I know is that you still look at me with respect, despite this hideous burn on my face, because she got Zuko'd by her father. And it's not even that bad, people. She's, I thought that she was blind in that eye. She is not. It's really not that bad. Yeah, I think she looks distinguished. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. And this is a consistent through line. This actually comes up in multiple flashbacks. One of the cutest freaking things about these two is one of the things that she she knows that uh, her husband, a good person and, you know, has emotions and stuff is whenever she kisses him, he blushes. That's so cute. Yes, that's so cute. I ship them. Yes, so cute. It's a solid ship. They're married, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. Hey, Kabiwaru is still kind of figuring all of that out, uh, even onto his capture. So uh, he, he's, ha- he's having some emotional tumult during this little sword fight. Mm-hmm. And we learned that the truth of his final mission was that he wanted to leave the village with his wife so they could go le- uh, lead a peaceful existence. Yes. Which this- kind of, it kind of calls back to, well, later on in the reading, but it calls back to his own origin stories, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Because uh, his parents were part of this ninja village and they were murdered. It- uh, by the village chief as he by when he was a baby he's aware of this and pretends he doesn't get he doesn't care it's not made explicit that he does but I, one can assume given the uh trajectory of the story so far yeah uh it's also here where we've where we learned that gabimaru despite all his world weariness still a little bit naive because bro literally uh she got Zuko'd by her dad because he wanted to scar her so that her beauty wouldn't attract uh, someone outside the village to give her the false hope of living an ordinary life. Yes. Also, she couldn't run away. And so she couldn't run away. And then you go to that same man asking to leave with her to live a normal life. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I bet he'll understand you're his daughter. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think all of the all of the lights were on upstairs when he asked that question. Just like, <laughs> yeah, love makes you do stupid things. Well, actually, that's sort of what I was going to get into, because I think it's uh, fair to say his assessment of his wife is more critical than is strictly speaking necessary. But he's not totally wrong about her either, because she thought that was a good idea, too. And he kind of got the idea from her. He, he believed her that it would work because. Mm-hmm. Optimism. Yeah. It's one of those ones where, uh, again, he's not really, you know, I mean, like he he's very definitively committed to his wife. He loves his wife and, you know, he wants to continue living despite the situation he's in because he wants to get back to her. But it's also still very new, uh, new to him to the point where he's not really gotten in his head an understanding of how to live that way yet. 
Also, unfortunately, his wife appears to be such an optimist. She always wants to see the best in everybody and maybe partially blind to the fact her uh, father may be literally a demonic monster. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, because they sure do portray him with a demonic smile a lot in a very effective, creepy style. And I'm not entirely sure how metaphorical that is. <laughs> I suppose in, in future uh, arcs, we'll find out. Indeed. But um, while he's busy refuting the idea of living a normal life, Sigiri uh, declares that he, in fact, can because of this unique opportunity. Uh, the Shogun has found the pure land of heaven and needs a team of bad enough dudes to go and find the elixir of life. If you succeed on this mission, you can return with a full pardon for all of your crimes in perpetuity. Yep. Clean slate. Go for it. Not just a clean slate, basically an eternally clean slate. You can do whatever you want. It also promises patronage and protection from the Shogun. Holy crap. Quite the task that's being asked. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, they found the pure land of heaven, except... Uh, only one guy ever came back, and he was pretty <laughs> So, uh, it's clear this place is very, very dangerous. And, and uh, S Sam's really not letting it on. Uh, this guy grew into a bunch of flowers. Yeah. Yeah. It is really disturbing. <laughs> yes, and he's, he's no longer capable of coherent speech, uh, just murmurings and... His, his yeah. limbs are falling off. He's, and the whole time, he's got this creepy, blissful smile. It kind of, it reminds me of like some kind of like sci-fi twist where you're just like, is it like whatever, some kind of blissful state of mind? Doesn't matter necessarily what happens to your, out, your outer core or your outside. It's just like, well, for all he knows, he's, he's feeling great, blissful. The imagery sort of reminds me of Annihilation, actually. So the funny thing for me is the thing that it most immediately made me think of is Advanced Wars Days of Ruin, <laughs> which like it's really just the flower imagery, but more thematically connected. I kind of got a little bit sweet home vibes from this, which is disturbing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Later on, I got some sweet home Alabama vibes, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh, we we can't forget that this is a melodramatic, uh, edgetacular main character. So when he is told that he can uh, go on this uh, dangerous journey for this uh, once in a lifetime chance, he agrees to do it. And the magistrate is like, like, hell, I'm letting you leave. Oh, well, Miss Executioner, you wanted to see some ninjutsu, right? Ninpo, ascetic blaze. Let me just proceed to light myself on fire. I'm just saying, I like this version of Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? You're right. Oh, uh, I love how they science explain this nonsense later, and you're like, it well. is <laughs> that explains nothing. In fact, it raises even more questions. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, because my boy lights himself on fire and murders a bunch of people and has an internal monologue of, you know, my wife doesn't like killing. 
I'm getting better one day at a time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it has that like gritty Western feel, you know, like when the bad cowboy settles down and he has like this innocent life. And she's like, she always yells at me when I kill people, but very it's very much like action movie star going like, oh, I just want to have a simple life. But um, I do need to do a lot of murder. <laughs> was um, uh, I think nobody with uh, the guy who plays mm. all good men is a really good movie. Uh, and that kind of turns into a parody of the concept of I'm just a normal guy. I don't like murdering. I am doing a lot of murdering. It's so much murder going on. Just just be better. I wouldn't have to do all this murdering if you guys just were better at your jobs. Yeah. He, he does his obligatory, hey, you know, I don't want to murder you, but I'm also not going to do anything that stops you from wanting to stop me with force, at which point I will murder you. He, I'm like, yeah. He does a lot of saying, could we just not? Oh, we cannot not? Okay, you're your life then, buddy. It it is sort of funny, uh, the mentioning of westerns and and cowboys and such because of the way the cowboy movies and uh samurai movies are so like interwoven. Basically Yeah. Basically play off each other, yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but this does remind me of a Rudy Tension that vibe a little bit. You're always allowed to say it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I really enjoyed it. I know the controversy, but it still has a special place. Well, no, just don't give him any more money. I think that's real easy. Yeah. Back at, back at this edgy sword manga. <laughs> um, there are many, but this one in particular. There are many like it, but this one is mine. <laughs> yes. We get more info about Sagiri's backstory, which starts with the moment she decided to become an executioner which is when she saw her father cut a man's head off with such a perfect strike that his body was able to continue, was able to finish slapping a fan into his palm, even with the head off. Because uh, he was a um, uh, Rakugo performer. He was performer. a comedian. Yeah, that was great. And she's like, that is the sickest shit I've ever seen in my life. I need to be able to do that. That is pretty sick. There were there were other things that also contributed uh, to her wanting to uh, follow this life goal that uh, we find out later. And it is, of course, very edgy. But uh, that was the. Well, by the way, it was also consensual. Like this was I want to be able to complete my performance and like, cool. It wasn't like just out of the blue. This guy yeah. was just beheaded. <laughs> yeah. That was part of the plan. <laughs> he was already he was already condemned to death. So he's like, uh, allow me to finish my last performance. Okay. <laughs> this is where we start getting into some of the intricacies of Sigiri's character, where uh, we see the beginning of her journey as an executioner, and we see her chopping off a head and she's being complimented uh, for her work for a woman. And there's a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And she thanks them for their compliments. And, and she is putting on this like uh, just patient, like mild expression. And in her own mind, she is naked, being grabbed by the headless, bloody handed corpses of her victims. <laughs> And I'm like, God damn, <laughs> this, 
the uh moments where this manga goes metaphorical with the uh with the artistic depiction of like guilt or uh the killing is really really top tier i love the motivation too of this is she's constantly performing amazingly but always faltering at the last second and she just keeps going i don't know what i'm doing wrong and they keep telling her well you're really uh you're afraid of killing. It's it's that womanly temperament of you. It's like, I don't think that's it. It's just, no, you just shouldn't ever feel the guilt for those lives you're taking. They're criminals. They deserve to die. And she's like, that seems closer. What was that other weird sexist thing you just said? Yeah. No, we're going to keep that through line. Uh, this manga says a lot that women are baby producing machines, um, mm-hmm. which 100% on brand for the time period. So... Oh, yeah, it's on brand for the time period, and it is it it at the very least, as far as we read, uh, pretty actively refuted by the the manga has the people saying that be uh, either like outright villains or people who will later be or people who like aren't villains but are later refuted. I, I mean, yes, at no point did I say the manga was mm-hmm. espousing those virtues. You can of, of talk course, about yeah. a thing without. Of course, of course. Just wanted to make it clear for. So it's here where we enter the kill six billion demons portion of our reading as this manga gets into the habit of introducing named characters with unique designs and then immediately murders them. I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) So good. (laughs) As uh, this is actually a like suicide squad sort of situation where uh, the Shogun has brought together a bunch of condemned criminals uh, to be sent to this. paradise island to find the elixir of life Mm -hmm. except they gathered up a whole whole bunch of them which is uh too many for this uh expedition also they're being sent to this island with one of the top tiered swordsmen as their executioner to kill Mm -hmm. them should they go against the rules and at this point i'm reading this going this is a really dumb plan why not just send the executioners? <laughs> Conveniently, we soon find out immediately right now, the Shogun's an idiot. Oh, the Shogun is incredibly stupid. He is a man-child given way too much power. Yeah, so- I, I, I love the, uh, the way that the Shogun interacts with the rest of the characters. Um, the other thing that we see is uh, when they bring out one of the uh, turned into a flower people, uh, one of the criminals, uh, one of the criminals with a name and unique character design is like, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to opt out. I'm just going to leave. <laughs> also, I want to point out how I started uncovering who was going to die. Uh, this criminal had a very intricate full body tattoo. A very intricate detail. Uh, and he was decapitated within two panels of showing up. Yeah. It's because like, I'm not drawing that. <laughs> because anyone who uh, decides that they want to opt out doesn't just get to peacefully return to jail and rot, t- and, uh, rot there, as this guy wanted to do. Uh, they get immediately decapitated by the member of the Yamada clan. You have been set to death. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they they're all technically uh sentenced to death. So death row. You can absolutely opt out of the mission. It just means that your sentence will be immediately carried out. You can quit at any time, but the swordsman with you will cut your head off. Either mm-hmm. now or later. So you pick. And then we get a manga that acknowledges the complete absurdity of a battle royale 
as the Shogun just says, we have too many. I want you all to kill each other, like in the days of old on the battlefield. Does he say kill each other? One of the prisoners who says, like, there's only other, there's obviously what he's saying is we need to kill each other. He does the weird nobility thing where they never directly mention violence, but clearly what they want is violence. They're like, we're only going to allow a certain amount of you violent criminals to go. Yeah, considering the fact once the melee breaks out, uh, his response is a giddy smile saying, yes, yes, wonderful. Oh, it's just like the Sengoku Jedi. Thing he never had to participate in. Mm -hmm. It's just like that book I read. Oh, my gosh. Well, his his name is Tokugawa, so he is he is definitely after the Sengoku Jedi. So, (laughs) yes. He's not that Tokugawa, but he is one of them. (laughs) The criminals have to keep their hands bound because if they unbind their hands, their executioner gets them. And a massive brawl uh, breaks out as we are introduced to some uh, to some more main looking main characters (laughs) who will last a bit longer. Not much, but a bit, (laughs) but a bit. Yeah. And uh, Gabimaru absolute chad that he is just like walks right up to the shogun and says you know this is stupid right (laughs) also the shogun's henchman was just like this is a terrible plan because you don't get the strongest person out of this you get a bunch of people who have just had their eyes gouged out (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're all going to be damaged and like tussle and everything it's just yeah but I am just a mere servant, so I would not dare correct the Shogun. And I'm like, what a terrible advisor. <laughs> Your entire job is to correct the Shogun. I mean, throughout mm-hmm. history, there have been instances where it's like, should I? Maybe. Well, yeah, that's the that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem with autocrats and totalitarianism. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to help you do your job effectively. I'm not trying to undermine you. I mean, really? Sounds like you're trying to undermine my rule. <laughs> execution <laughs> execution mm, yeah it's quiet with their heads uh we get uh my favorite of the uh moments of the manga going real metaphorical with the violence mm-hmm. as uh gabimaru is like look this this pointless killing is just really stupid you understand that right shut up prisoner know your place Anyone who kills him it immediately gets to go and doesn't need to do this fighting anymore. And some thugs go to try to jump him. And he's like, boys, you really don't want this fight. No, I think we want this fight. OK, then. And as they are coming to get him, the background shifts from this courtyard to the beach as the tide rolls in. And after several panels of hyper detailed violence, including Gabimaru literally biting a man's throat out. I... I love this interpretation of pacifism because Gabimaru is doing everything he can to like, hey, I really don't want this fight. I really don't want this fight. I really don't want this fight. Okay, well, and then goes straight into murder mode and it is vicious and it is brutal. And at the end, he says something akin to the fact of, hey, man, like what? If I killed them less painfully, their souls would be happier with me. They're still dead. Like... (laughs) And we get this amazing panel uh, on the metaphorical beach of him standing in the tide, shadowed by the setting sun, the bodies around him, the the ocean of blood he is he has spelled. It is so cool. People 
stopped approaching him with something to prove, they probably would have been fine. Mm -hmm. And we continue the metaphor of uh, Sigiri, naturally naked, uh, being grabbed at, at by the corpses of her victims. And we see Gabimaru completely obscured by the similar corpses and just not flinching where she is, like, quivering. Yeah, uh, Sam, to be fair. The nudity kind of just means vulnerability in this instance. I, I know. Gabi Maru is also naked in this metaphor. He's just covered in bodies. Yeah. Look, I know, but... <laughs> it, it is... There is... There's a lot of nudity in this. It's not really sexualized nudity. Yeah, True. there, there, <laughs> there's exactly so one like, shot where I, where I'm like, it's framed in a particular way because it, uh, that, it, but it's like, and as we learn later, that's specifically being done by the character who's all about using sex to kill. So, well, no, I mean the, I mean the manga frames it in a particular way. Uh, like honestly, it it does a good job of doing the nudity is vulnerability metaphor. Mm -hmm. it's not it's not egregious like some manga can be because it's like if you do that sort of thing wrong it it undercuts the uh the tension of the scene and the metaphor well because her entire vibe is um someone as a person said if you ever feel doubt look into the reflection on your blade because that shows a samurai the truth and mm -hmm. it's in those reflections that she's naked because it's going to like her deepest self like it is showing the true her yeah I, I think the manga basically tells you the metaphor out loud, so there's not a lot of room for misunderstanding it. Yeah. It's used well in most cases, which I've seen a lot of manga that have uh, used that as an excuse for basically just fan service. Yeah. And this isn't really it, so. This isn't that, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But we get our roll call of people who survived and will be going to the island. The Bandit King, the Blade Dragon, the Hunter of the Warped, the Killing Buddhist, like just this roster of weirdos. The Cannibal Courtesan is such a good <laughs> name. It's so good, dude. I'm interested in her backstory. I'm just like curious. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure she dies immediately on the island. So we'll you want to know, know how she you know, she dies immediately. She wears a kimono that is very intricately detailed. <laughs> <laughs> and then the manga says, I do not want to draw this. So no, we get a little bit more of uh, Sagiri's motivation in that uh, when she was younger, also her uh, her family business uh, meant that she didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, to put it nicely, that being uh, a part of her motivation of uh, feeling because it's like she has this um, like love and fascination for the um, for the technique of swordsmanship. Mm -hmm. But there's also mm -hmm. this element of she feels trapped in the position that she's in because strictly speaking, it would be easier for her to just do the traditional gender role thing. But that that life uh, came with challenges that she couldn't handle either. She she couldn't handle them specifically because she's the type of person who's inclined to meet, you know, violence with more violence. Mm. And honestly, I think it also was kind of escalated by the fact of her, well, her station. She quite honestly references the fact that she is, you know, the daughter of the head, like most children in that position everything every movement everything is super hyper focused 
So I honestly mm-hmm. feel if she were, you know, more mid or even lower station, probably wouldn't wouldn't have felt wouldn't, as much of a pressure. Yeah, wouldn't have been so extreme. So those were uh, some very intricate and story heavy first couple of chapters. Now we're going to get to the Pure Land, at which point things speed up rapidly. So how about we take a quick break? <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, so we will be right back after this, folks. Welcome back to the show, folks. We have uh, reached heaven or hell or whatever this weird ass land is. And now it is time for violence. God, this really is for violence. Yes. Yeah, this really is just kill six billion demons, isn't it? It turns into Lord of the Flies. There are no rules. No wonder I liked this so much. (laughs) I don't think it's how Lord of the Flies goes. Are you thinking of the Hunger Games? No, because Hunger Games has more like outside plot development and as someone who actually read the series. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I liked it. I liked that it didn't have a happy ending in the books, and I wish that that was portrayed in the media. No, people like happy endings even when they don't deserve them. Yeah, the book was really, really like down to earth, but that's not what we read. So let's talk about this one. Indeed, indeed. As uh, we arrive in the Pure Land uh, with our boy Gabimaru and Sigiri, and we get more of their lovely dynamic, which is Gabimaru being completely nonchalant in all things, and Sigiri having a a massive stick up her ass. Yeah, Gabimaru is basically just perpetually tired. Yeah, as he... Uh, immediately breaks his cuffs and is like, all right, let's get to work. I don't want to be here all day. And she goes to uh, threaten him with a sword. It's like, bind your hands. You know, none of the Shogun's men are like here to see this, right? You can just rebind my hands before we get back to the mainland, right? I don't care. Bind your hands. You, You do realize the entire plan of having me here is because you think I'm good enough at combat that I could be an asset to this mission. And then you proceed to make me useless at combat by binding my hands really defeats the purpose. This is just an execution with extra steps. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, fine. Okay, you weirdo. I'll do it. Just give me the thing and whack. And then Gabimaru shows that he has the uh, standard uh, manga character power of moving his organs. I love this. uh... I love this page turn so much because he's just acquiescing to her demands and, you know, being kind of a kind of a punk about it. Next panel, his neck immediately bent 270 degrees backwards. (laughs) So funny, dude. But it's like, you know, we've seen him survive truly extraordinary things. So you're not super concerned about him. As uh, we cut to another one of the criminals, a big hulking guy with lots of armor, uh, proudly declaring that one was already taken down, at which point Gabimaru sits up, bit of a surprised look on his face. Oh, he took me by surprise there. Anyway, let me just relocate my neck and there we go. <laughs> just 
dislocated my neck. A normal thing that a human person can do. <laughs> Jacob. This is a man who lit himself on fire by raising his body temperature to the point the oils in his skin combusted. Maybe you can take it down two notches. <laughs> exactly. I'm not saying I'm not buying this manga's fiction. I'm saying it's stupid and absurd. <laughs> We're on an island made of plants. <laughs> I'm here for it. It's still stupid and absurd. Hey, hey, Sigiri, Sigiri, his hands aren't bound. You see, his hands aren't bound. Sigiri. Look, shut up, you little punk. Why aren't his hands bound? You seriously think I'm going to just go along? That's stupid. Why would you do that? That's a stupid rule from a stupid autocrat who isn't here. <laughs> we get the Yamada clan arguing with each other as their Pokemon battle is about to happen. <laughs> that becomes the running dynamic of the manga, and I love it because it's the two members of the Yamada clan bickering as shonen nonsense happens in the background. Oh, we get this warrior monk goes on about, I have collected, I was in training to become a great warrior monk, but I found out I loved weapons more so i gathered a great collection of them but then i realized a weapon is not truly beautiful until it has tasted the blood of an enemy so i kind of went on making a whole bunch of bloody weapons so now that's like my whole jam i'm now gonna beat the crap out of you um i've been hitting you repeatedly uh you should be dead now and he, then we cut back to gabi maru's just like oh yeah you did hit me a lot okay so my hands are retied now <laughs> my hands are retied now hey buddy do you really still want this fight I will make my weapons beautiful. You are a true foe, Gabimaru the Hollow. This will be a great battle. Yeah, okay, whatever. Immediately takes all of his weapons and impales him like 50 times using yeah. his feet. I, I love that this does like a jump cut of now our grand battle is about to begin. Flip page. The dude has every single one of his weapons stabbed through his body. Gabimaru just standing there like, okay, where were we? Meanwhile, Warrior Monk's handler is just like, well, he's dead. I'm going home because a uh, little spoiler alert. I'm just going to do a little bit of expositioning. Um, the Shogun kind of realized sending a whole bunch of criminals to an island was a really stupid idea. And I think he's just doing that because he's insane and just wanted some fun. Uh, turns out next round, if this doesn't work, which he immediately assumes it wouldn't he's gonna hire uh that guy's ninja clan to just come here and clean out the island and gabimaru is suddenly like oh no <laughs> we're on a time limit now so uh yeah and that yamada clan member decapitates warrior monk's dead body picks up the head says all right here's my proof of service i'm going home later i'm leaving before the weird plant thing happens and uh Gabimaru now very worried about this uh, incipient band of ninja goes to attack uh, Sigiri because he's like, all right, now I can't have you uh, weighing me down anymore. I'm just going to kill you, find the elixir of life and boogie. I don't care that I'll technically be breaking the stupid rules. If I get the elixir of life, I can make myself immortal and then it won't matter. Actually, I don't know if he comes to that conclusion yet, but... He kind of comes to that conclusion, like this entire fight he's having with um, Sagiri is basically him going, hey, I, I have decided to be a better person. I'm I want to be a good person. I am a good person deep down. I also acknowledge that you will just hold me back from getting back to my wife. And 
as much as I care about being a good person, I care more about getting back to her. So I'm going to kill you and apologize for it later. Mm -hmm. And we get this great, like, complimentary internal monologue from the two of them. Mm -hmm. Because both of them keep hesitating when they have the opportunity to cut down the other. And it's like Sigiri realizing that Gabimaru has uh, resolved to be better and can be, and so doesn't want to kill him before that can happen. And Gabimaru continuing to have flashbacks to his wife being like, hey, you know, killing's bad, okay? I I love how Gabimaro isn't doesn't ever come to that full realization that he can't push himself to do it. Even at the very end, he's just like, why can't I do this thing to get home quicker? And it's then we get like the image of him physically being held back by his wife's love. Yeah, it's so good. Like he's got Sigiri on the ground. He's he destroyed her sword. Mm -hmm. He destroyed her sword. She's been using her sheath to try to defend herself at this point. And like one of the running uh, arc phrases in this chapter has been, if you're not strong, you can't protect anything. Mm -hmm. And it's contrasted between his wife saying that in a, in, you know, a positive manner. You need to be strong to protect the people you love. And... The you need to be emotionally strong to make good choices mm -hmm. versus the literal physical strength, because we also get uh, the big thing is we get a lot of uh, imagery of uh, the uh, head of the ninja clan also being, uh, you know, like it, it seems like he's the one holding Gabi Maru back, but he's really pushing him for his uh, worst uh, vices. <laughs> Uh, he's also using that same phrase. If you're not strong, you won't be capable of protecting anything. And we get some absolutely gorgeous artwork out of this. And it's it's so good, too, because both of their characters have the exact same holdup, but from like different angles mm -hmm. of why am I hesitating when it comes to killing someone or why am I hesitating now when it comes to killing someone? And it takes both of them fighting to come to the realization I think Sigiri comes to it and then explains it to Gabimaru. It's just like, hey, no, that bad feeling right there, that hesitation, that is strength. It's feeling that, acknowledging what you're doing, and then being able to push past it when you absolutely need to and listening to it when you don't. That's so much stronger than just blinding yourself to it. Mm hmm it, It's uh, a sort of accepting the responsibility of what you're doing and making an emotion, uh, making an informed choice, which is very difficult. Because, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, I mean, one thing that I think is really, really good about Hell's Paradise, and I'm, I really like it when a series does this sort of thing. There's the acknowledgement that sometimes you gotta kill someone because if talking is not an option, talking isn't an option. And saying that you're a pacifist does not help anybody. And there is a level of you do need an amount of physical strength to be able to physically survive. Mm -hmm. It's not strong to always select violence. Mm -hmm. I, I think it does a very good, like, more obviously insane levels but from like a philosophical point of view it is a more realistic stance than what you see a lot in like older shonen of like nope killing is bad never do it we're gonna constantly fight until that it's um we acknowledge killing people's wrong some people 
deserve it. And ideally, we'd like to avoid that even then. But if you do, feel bad about it and try and be better. Mm -hmm. Like that, which is, I love that because that's such a better message to take going forward is like, you know, sometimes you're going to do bad things and you're going to feel shitty about it. That's good. You should feel shitty about it because you should want to be better. Mm -hmm. And I love the denouement of this chapter so much because we have like the whole first part of the fight, which is the juxtaposition of the wife and the chief saying, if you're not strong, you can't protect anything. And then it ends on Sigiri and the wife saying, you're not the man you once were. Mm hmm. Sigiri holding the sheath of the sword, Gabimaru holding the hilt. They are collaboratively sheathing the blade. The like spiritual representation of the wife is like hugging him. Damn, I I get it, manga. I get the metaphor, (laughs) but I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Hell's Paradise loves metaphors. It loves just punching you in the face with them so much. And I'm about it. It does another thing that I really love when stories do this. There is a lot of like really surface level metaphor in Hell's Paradise that's like cluing you into, okay, not everything is literal. This is this is an obvious gimme metaphor. You if you have basic like literacy, you're going to catch this Mm -hmm. and it makes you read in a specific way that like, you know, you, you start looking for those sorts of things. And then when you do, you start noticing the deeper layer, you know, the more, you know, like the more complete, the more, you know, cerebral metaphors. Mm -hmm. I I love it when series do that because it's really easy to uh, front load a lot of imagery and uh, dialogue that is almost impossible to parse because you're a little bit too deep in your own metaphor. (laughs) You're, You're too far up your own ass. Yeah. You know, alternatively, you know, there are some series that just don't have a layer deeper than the surface. Um, but, you know, something like this, it uh, strikes the right balance of having uh, depth, but it also being parsable. That was extremely cool, and I loved it very much. Uh, now we begin the other routine of this manga, where after we have a fight with Gabimaru and another criminal and Sigiri doing Yamada clan things, Uh, We have an interlude of another one of the criminals who haven't interacted with our pro tags yet, as well as their backstory. So now let us introduce literally just a solar exalt. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) You're not wrong, but this this guy wandered through eight provinces fighting people, never lost, became the unparalleled blade dragon, went to a big fancy manor was told he couldn't cut a dragon in half and with his sword split the entryway gate and its dragon plaque and then said, I don't regret a damn thing. Next time I'll cut the whole mansion in two. Mike drop. He's a dawn cast and I love him. <laughs> oh. Yep. And he's been put to death and now he's on this island to uh, chop his way to victory. Turns out society did not approve of that message. But regardless, it was pretty badass. This guy's also got uh, the first interaction we get with the native. The the native fauna. Or flora. Oh, it, it, it makes the it makes the flora. The native esoteric BS. Look, I'm not going to pretend like anything on this island could actually be scientifically categorized. 
Mm-hmm. Fair point. You're not wrong. As Mr. Blade Dragon notices a butterfly had landed on his hand, stung him, and then flew away. And then he saw that it had a human face, remembered the flower corpse men, and immediately cut off his own hand. Mm-hmm. As you do. Which started to grow the weird flowers and roots. Oh, and it was also noted by Gabimaru that the flora on this island doesn't make any damn sense because it is basically every species of flower at the same time. And it's so dense. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, all right, this place is officially very cool and interesting. Let's fight some stuff. And that is a really big monster. What is that? Does it have a does it have a monk's prayer staff? I bah! Yeah, then we get introduced to the monsters of this island, which are fever dream of Taoism and Buddhism mashed together, despite them not really having anything in common. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like at first they thought this had to be some kind of religious um, representation, but now they kind of just think it's um, like a mockery of the fact and it's just kind of a mishmash of everything of um, religious ideology and nature and everything. That's a that's a big through point is it's it is combined in such a way that could only be a mockery because Mm -hmm. um, one of the one of the creatures is like a Buddha's head on a naked woman's body who's like grinding up against a fish. It's mm-hmm. like weirdly sexual in such a way that could only be done as like a mockery to the divine. And it's like someone going like, oh, we're in hell. Yeah. That- it- <laughs> this this has to be hell. This like weird glossolia is it's just blasphemous. That's all. Mm-hmm. It is some kind of perversion of a divine realm that is either inherently evil or is mimicked Mm -hmm. for some reason by someone who doesn't understand what they're doing alien a child slapping uh various religious texts together it is too intricate to be human but too sloppy to be divine i think is what one character quotes it Mm -hmm. as yeah maybe aliens i i like uh jay's take Aliens is also on board, although they the the monsters can talk. (laughs) Yeah, we also learned that they don't have organs. They just have muscle and blood. They also talk about sin a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, A group of them just start chanting. Killing is a sin. Killing is a sin, even insects, even fish. And from like a Taoist perspective, you're like, but like fish are the one thing that are supposed to be super okay to eat. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah. Again, again, the incompatible mishmash. And so um, when faced with these monsters, Gabimaru is like, all right, I, I guess uh, that's enough messing around with my usual uh, superhuman superpowers. Time to go show off my super form, which is just putting on my ninja mask. <laughs> mm-hmm. And lighting myself on fire because mm-hmm. he because again, he can just do that. <laughs> he rips apart using his ninpo ascetic blaze. I have to kill these things in order to survive and get that pardon. Uh, he's going on this rampage, killing all these things. Meanwhile, Sagiri's standing there like this is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. What is happening? <laughs> and. uh. 
in and when that's about to get her killed, Gabimaru goes in and saves her in a very cool and dynamic shot. Oh, uh, it's so good, too, because it's him. He's going into like his demon form where it's like his eyes white out and the rest of him becomes like shadowed. And the he hears Sagiri is about to be killed and he's going like, close your heart off to that. You need to worry about you staying alive. Just keep killing. Focus on the person in front of you. And he like blacks out and you're like, OK, he's leaving her to die. Nope, he saved her instead. And I love the bait and switch with the art because uh, it like blacks out the background. It turns the monster into this like featureless, big white humanoid thing. And it's Gabimaru running, jumping, cutting off the arm. And it looks like he grabbed the arm and then cut to the next page, return to reality. The arm was Sigiri that he pulled out. He still cut off the arm, but then he grabbed her and pulled her out of the way of danger. Mm-hmm. And even he looks surprised. Well, by I love that. the look on his face where he's like, so I just did that. Huh? Yeah. Oh, crap. I just saved her. Um, that means we're still in danger. And uh, there is now there is now a chain whip thing around my face. Thankfully, the most powerful thing in the universe, a ninja thought shows up and saves him. <laughs> look, you you be nice to Usuria. <laughs> I, I I am memeing. I do like Yuzuria. She's she's, she's pretty top tier. She, she has my favorite bit ever, which is continuously trying to flirt with a character who knows you're just trying to manipulate them. Mm-hmm. He's like, you don't think I've interacted with Kanoichi before? Ooh, Stop. So handsome. Maybe you could be my boyfriend. No, I'm really not interested. I know you're just trying to get close to me. Oh yeah, I am. I would literally murder you if it benefited me in any way. Also, this alliance I'm proposing is literally based on nothing and we could betray each other at any point. So in fact, I'm planning on doing that and you should be too. I would be, I would feel personally disrespected if you didn't. Because there's Mm -hmm. only one winner. So one of us has to die regardless, even if everything goes well. So this isn't really a truce. This isn't really a truce. It's just, let's not kill each other right now. As long as we can benefit each other and, also, do you want to be my boyfriend? Because they literally do the exact same panel of him rejecting her, and I love it. It's yeah. just reused art, and it's different dialogue. They do it a third time in another chapter. I'm married. Yeah, I forget which one, but at some point he's like, okay, like, like he, he's literally saying, one, you've done this before. I said it. I'm not going to fall for it. Also, two, I'm married. Stop. Excuse me, thought. <laughs> I have a wife. Like, literally? Is a thought. Mm-hmm. It's a homewrecker. Yeah, she is not a- listening to him saying repeatedly, I have a wife. <laughs> she canonically has a great ass, though. Yeah, that is that is stated by other characters. Yes. <laughs> I don't, I don't that. disagree with their assessment either. Yes, that's uh, how they ended up getting. Did you mention her two guards? Yeah, yeah, she's got two Yamada clan. <laughs> she got them. One of them is a real cool guy whose uh, introductory text bubble gets overwritten by people talking over him. She stands in front of the text box, which I wonder if that's just a bit or if there's something about him. But and then we've got um, King of the Simps. Uh, yes. Who also, <laughs> he is king of the, he is king of the Simps. He is a sucker for a pretty face and believes women should stay in the kitchen. <laughs> it's great because he is like, I am Yamada Aseman Genshi. My original charge was killed by this woman. 
Such foul play is not a part of the samurai code, so I determined to stay on this island and make sure that she did not do any more devious, <laughs> dishonorable things. Immediately uh, so, she, so she got to you too, huh? Yes, immediately <laughs> cut to both Gabimaru and Sagiri being like... The fact uh, that Sagiri is like, yep, that makes sense for you, is I think <laughs> the more telling element. Uh-huh. <laughs> But um, we also get the backstory about uh, his former charge is uh, Usuria seduced him and proceeded to use him as a guinea pig for all the various evils of the island. That's how she figured out the human faced butterflies poison turns you into flowers. Mm -hmm. uh, the centipedes only eat dead flesh and some other stuff that. Seems interesting. Her story—it's mostly it, a lot of it is the anatomy of the the monsters. It's it's interesting because her story is inherently vague, and Gabimaru kind of pokes for more information, and she doesn't tell him. Um, we then get her side of the flashback, which seems to be she just poisoned him with the flower toxin. So it's not like. It's interesting that she's keeping that secret because the secret she seems to be keeping from the audience perspective isn't that much of a difference. Isn't that big of a deal? I, I, yeah. I think it speaks to her as a character because um, uh, she is enough of a pathological liar that she will just reflexively lie. I mm -hmm. I love her backstory because she says, like, <laughs> oh, we're in a shonen manga. Let me tell you my backstory. I have a sick little sister. I come from the clan of you. You mentioned the wrong clan. She's like, oh, well, uh, and then uh, then I got attacked by a group of enemy ninja and then the village chief and they're like stick figures. <laughs> and he's like, you're really bad at lying. Just please stop. Short and sweet. <laughs> And we get my favorite panel, which is her just with this big, happy grin on her face. Like, yeah, I don't have a story. I just don't want to die while I'm young. I yep I and like which honestly e fair it's equally as valid just saying you want to live because you want to live is more honesty than a lot of these people mm -hmm. it's more honest than uh, Gabby Maru is with himself with uh with the with the ninja thought uh the tanuki and the simp now a part of the team <laughs> yeah because her original guard he, he gets compared to a tanuki because uh he he's kind of short a little round got a, got his glasses bit nerdy <laughs> nerdy looking dude yeah the 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 hair uh is the tail mm -hmm. yeah and uh he's the complete cat package i approve <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> man if he's a tanuki i wonder what else he's ne never mind that's not appropriate <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um yeah so with this new revelation um, and Gabimaru's uh, change of heart, uh, they do take some time to actually take a break because <laughs> they're all injured. Or Sagiri, importantly, gets knocked out. Mm -hmm. Because because these butterflies continue to be the worst thing ever. Their sting is the thing that turns you into the flower monster. The the scales of their wings give off a toxin. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's hallucinogenic. Mm hmm. So she passes out. They decide to make camp because we got to it's it's also dramatically right after they say we can't let anyone slow us down. Oh, well, nope. Sagiri's sick. We're going to all take a break now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, nap time. Oh, 
and they they make food and everything. And this is also when we get the interaction between Sigiri and Simpkun, whose name is escaping me. Genji. Um, Genji. Yep. And uh, he basically confronts her and says, hey, um, I, I know you're here pretending you're a man and a samurai, whatever. You should go home. There is literally nothing but death on this island. You should go home. You are a woman. You can go marry some guy and be the next like head of the clan. You don't have to be doing any of this at all. I love there is one part of the scene where um, like this exchange is going back and forth and he brings up the idea that I acknowledge your skills as a swordsman. You are very, very good at decapitating uh, people. But there's a difference between a uh, an execution where the person is like presenting their neck to be chopped and an actual battlefield. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not the same thing. And I'm like, you know, he's not wrong. There's some subtlety in his argument. Your gender limits you. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's weird because he's not entirely wrong either and that's what's hitting sagiri so much is she's hitting that wall of what i want does have stuff that's physically stopping me and she needs to come to terms with that which she does by the end of this conversation but it's it's the fact that he's kind of right Mm -hmm. that is really hitting her so hard he's right but then he just does it for this like complete asshole reason like Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there is also the the factor that uh, empathy is not specifically a feminine trait. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like that's that's one of the ones no, that's that sort of... not Bushido, Jake. <laughs> <Get out of here. laughs> and, and, you know, it, it's one of those ones where like some of the things that he's saying do actually um, promote growth in Sagiri, like hearing the the swordsmanship technique that you have is legit and real but that's different from being a soldier on a battlefield that's something that you haven't yet internalized is something that sagiri will later use to grow and become stronger but like there's the there is that complexity of he has his own hang-ups that are just wrong you know it it Mm -hmm. And it's funny it is a level of nuance that I really appreciate because I think it'd be really easy to write this character off as just a roadblock she needs to overcome. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he's not. He yeah. is someone whose opinion she genuinely really values. That's what makes the like sexist part of his personality come off as like really so gr- so grating. Yeah, but this also gets interspersed with another one of the hey, here's another character, a little monologues um, about the uh, bandit king no 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 uh the 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 mountain boy yeah mountain I, I, child a bit uh, bandit king also happens bandit king happens a bit earlier uh and yeah. a bit later <laughs> yeah bandit king we, is it a uh, bandit king is obviously going to be a major character he's interspersed a he lot has two. Just, the first one is killing the monk who is strangling him and then the second one is um him and his brother mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that uh, the brother, the brother's introduction was the first moment of same face and me getting confused because he, he, uh, the brother, uh, Toma, is a very effeminate man with long black hair in in the uh, in the uniform looks a lot like Sagiri. <laughs> I, I think the, I think the problem there is is um, his hair is normally down. Sagiri's normally isn't. But uh-huh. 
the, his introduction is around the time when we see Sagiri's hair down for the first time. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, why are they using masculine pronouns for Sagiri here? Oh, this is a different character. <laughs> oh. Their whole backstory is uh, daddy used to be a daimyo, but then he was no longer a daimyo. So he got kicked out of being a daimyo and all of his children were treated as if they were vile things to be uh, sins of the father, basically. Mm -hmm. Which back in the day tracks. Yep. And as such, they had to work their way up and be strong. And uh, the brother was set for execution, though the younger brother worked his way into the Yamada clan, got raised up until he was ready for his first execution and then requested his brother and then broke him free to go get an imperial pardon. <laughs> he had to lie about his background, obviously, because, hey, yeah, your brother's on death row. Yeah, no. That's not my brother. What are you talking about? I don't about? know this man. I've never seen this man in my life. I think he legitimately pretended to be a member of the Yamada clan. Like he. Yeah. He was like, I'm a distant cousin. Like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to I want to learn to be a head shopper. All right. Well, this will take years of training. And wow, you've gotten this good in a month. OK, let's go. <laughs> welcome. Yeah. To the, welcome to the fold. The other thing is uh, Bandit King's personality is pretty much uh, entirely defined by after he kills a bunch of the monsters. Uh, uh, he had been uh, complaining about them using the phrase sin a lot. And uh, he says, um, I am my own God, which is basically his entire personality. And I love, I love him. I love it so much. Also, he looks just like Bakugo. Yeah, I'm like, I found Bakugo. I found my rage puppy. I'm happy. He's, he, he's just got a scar is the only difference. Look, Chobe is incredibly based. <laughs> and he's just like, turns out the monster's weapons are really good for killing monsters. <laughs> Right and um the, the image of him going full D, D character picking up an ogre's axe that is bigger than he is swinging it over his shoulder splattered in blood being like hell yeah bro we're gonna kill all these monsters and yes. drink that elixir and become our own personal gods mm -hmm. i'm just like i'll follow you into hell buddy <laughs> this guy's great <laughs> I also like how he and his brother have the mentality of look out for number one. And mm -hmm. his younger brother's just like, my big brother's so cool. He doesn't give a single care about me. He just goes on being strong. Yeah, mm -hmm. it kind of gives me Haku vibes, if you remember Haku from Naruto. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, then we also get another uh, one of these during the whole rest and relaxation arc with um, mm -hmm. the samurai and the mountain kid whose names to either I can't remember. But yes, uh, mountain kid's backstory is quite interesting. It is. It is. Uh, apparently they're they're from like a mountain tribe and their entire tribe was slaughtered and the yes. child was not immediately killed on the battlefield, but was taken and being put to death. And one of the Yamada, the Yamada clan samurai assigned to them uh, basically went, I'm not an I am not going to execute a child who has done nothing wrong, but I am very lawful, so I'm still going to follow the rules. We're going to go to this island of flowers and get you a pardon because this is wrong. Mm -hmm. And as such, what happened was the second all the killing broke out, he went, um, hey, you are the only one of these criminals who deserves to live. So I'm going to take you to the boat and we're going to figure out another way. We're going to figure out everything. Uh, they sail out to the boat to find out that the shogun's boat that was supposed to be there for three days has been wrecked by sea monsters 
and then they fight some sea monsters and then find a boat to get back to land. There's an entire, like, scuttled flotilla of boats, Mm -hmm. which is way more than any of the past expeditions that are known about, which means that people have been coming here, getting shipwrecked and trapped for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the reason there's so much plant life on the island is because it's all of the people who wander here are in bloom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they they fight a bunch of monsters. Aggravates my allergies. (laughs) so they fight a bunch of sea monsters they escape back to the beach uh they can't leave because the sea monsters basically create a perimeter around and um they take it fights them yep and they set up a fire and they dry their wet clothes and then it is revealed that mountain boy is actually mountain girl and um is really into the chivalry of her <laughs> executioner. Yeah. It's like you hey, shall be my husband. I'll make you my husband. Yeah. And he's like, that's oh, that's so inappropriate <laughs> that is, right now. That is very flattering, but we are not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, this is hilarious. because uh, we do get uh newer guy is the kid's name. Uh we do get her backstory where um she was just the this... only thing that the village did wrong was not, not be japanese basically not pledge fealty to the shogun so again get rid of all the natives get rid of the natives uh, yeah that's unfortunately a very common thing yeah yeah that's that's very i mean that's true for a lot of places hill people always get a raw deal when the government comes a knocking and nur guy had um just been you know wandering the mountain trails saw some people lost and it's like hey guys you lost I, I can help you find where you're going it's like hey you're one of those mountain people right yeah all right cool take us back to your village we're going to kill all of them because we're samurai wait what and uh so uh, very much blames herself for uh the death of her entire family it's a pretty bad situation all around and because we've been asking everybody what their motivation for living is, she just wants to go back to her mountain. Mm-hmm. Can't say I blame her. Yep. And also, With her husband. Yes. she does. She does need a new husband because <laughs> she is the last surviving member of her clan. So also she needs to make more of her clan. <laughs> I'm the last member of the bloodline. I can't let us die. My my clan doesn't believe in things that don't exist. So if I die out, then the entire clan is gone. Hey, you know, got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this actually goes alongside the conversation of um, Sagiri about the nature of women in battle. So mm-hmm. it's very on brand. Yeah. Uh, but um, unfortunately, in the middle of this conversation, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Giant from. Uh, the, the Mountain Giant. Who, yes. um, last time we saw was literally he got off the ship and killed his uh, Yamada clan executioner immediately with like one slap. And I believe we were told he was the, the number one. He was he the was, main guy. He was the strongest and looked like a main character and was one shot. Yeah, he had long white hair. He had an eye patch. His name was Eisen. Like this was the most main character ass main character dude around. And then he got he was bit- doing a lot of like mentoring of uh, Sagiri uh, couched in the, you know, standard sexism of the day. But uh, he was doing like like he was a mentor figure. Like when I saw him get slapped, I'm like, 
was that real? Because they've done fake outs before. To be fair, we have yet to see a body, but it seems like that was real. You guys keep saying fake out. What you mean is they're showing like a second into the future. Mm -hmm. This was not a fake out. Yeah, homeboy is dead, dead. Yeah. It's also great because um, Sagiri immediately runs over to him who's been whacked into a tree and is bleeding out going like, leave me, I'm dying. And she goes, oh no, that's the giant. Oh no, Aizen's also dead. No! Yeah, because uh, Genji gets jumped by the giant. I say jumped. Really, the giant just kind of wandered over and his his mo is he just slaps things that are in his way and because he's so huge and strong that one shots most people yeah uh genji is bent in half yeah uh he also hungry so uh whatever he slaps to death he usually eats i mean does he when we do the flashback he doesn't necessarily eat them it just happens my criticism of this character is they didn't really go beyond what they usually give to all giant characters is okay. They, they grew really quickly as a kid. Eventually they kill their parents and all they care about is finding someone to play with and oh, they're hungry all the time. Like that's for me, that was overdone. Like, yeah, he's a okay. he's a brick wall. He is a he is a physical threat. Well, I mean, like he's a physical threat because Genji represents the ideological threat here. Mm hmm. You know, and yeah. now this is a point where uh, Sagiri has to prove that, uh, you know, she is capable, like she's physically capable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rukuroda, I think his name is. He, he's just a he's just a blunt instrument of a character and a little underdeveloped for that. But I think he it, needed to be developed. Exactly. He, like he has a mask. He's a force of nature. He didn't he never yeah. takes off a mask from. When the beginning is in the very beginning, uh, you must you are not allowed to look upon the Shogun, which almost immediately gets rescinded. But he never takes the mask off. Mm -hmm. He's just he's just here to be something other than the monsters that forces Gabimaru and Sigiri to increase their uh, team attack power and for Sigiri to have a character development moment. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Purpose served. Oh, they work so well together because Sagiri is just like, I can I can execute him. I just need a clean shot mm -hmm. because he, if you extend your ligaments and your muscle is like fully stretched, a blade can cut through it no matter what it's made out of. And I'm like, OK, that's sure. Why not? Mm -hmm. I believe your execution magic works. Mm hmm. Yep. And meanwhile, Gabi Mar was like, OK, uh, we have a we have a great like comedy shot as he's like uh, occasionally Gabi Maru when facing a new foe will uh, flash back to him being uh, small and studying at the feet of the chief who's like, here is the ironclad ninja law. Oh, one ought to properly analyze the abilities of an enemy. He's like, okay, just need to find out how strong this guy is. Immediate next panel, he rips a whole tree, roots and all out of the ground, and yeets it at Gabimaru. <laughs> all right. And Strength assessed. Yeah, and he, he does a fun bit where he goes through all of his ninjutsu techniques. It's like, nope, not going to work, not going to work, not going to work. Uh, no, I cannot even touch this guy. Maybe if I had a second person, we could double team them. Oh, Sagiri, you're back. Are you over that whole thing where you didn't think you were good enough to be fighting on this island? 
yeah, I kind of just had like a whole one-to-one with my mentor who was doing some sex nonsense and then he got hit into a tree and I'm getting some closure from that. But I also feel like I need to avenge him because he gave me his sword and told me, you know what? I finally understand you want to walk the path between two worlds. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what I'm going through right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just really like that's it. a lot to un- unpack. I'm going to light myself on fire again. <laughs> <laughs> I really love the panel of Gabimaru facing up against uh, the giant, and it's got all of the various Ninpo crossed off because each of these is dumber sounding than the last. <laughs> Savage headbutt, ravaging claw, Zephyr weave, Grand Crag. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, we get a whole amazing fight scene i love the interplay between these two characters because they're constantly just looking for an opening and can't get it um Mm -hmm. and they finally come to a conclusion that uh usaria immediately notices before it's even let to the audience what's going on it's like we got to get out of (laughs) here yeah grabs her uh grabs her executioner and runs grabs her future boyfriend we're all we're all saying the same thing yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) just grabs him and boogies out of there because it's like getting up i see what their plan is and we need to be away from the blast radius and uh gabi mara's plan is i'm going to light the forest on fire because uh little known fact uh in most fires it's not the fire that kills you it's uh inhaling the poisonous smoke also Mm -hmm. for the audience that poison is carbon monoxide it gets into your bloodstream i'm not sure if gabi maru is aware of this fact or if i'm just (laughs) telling you this is the audience i don't know (laughs) Mm -hmm. either way it is uh, it is sort of fun that they had already kind of established this as um uh because like it was mentioned during the uh burning at the stake execution Anyway, uh, big guy is really big. Like, he's like nine feet tall. So if we get a whole bunch of smoke going, uh, he's going to be right up there in it and breathing that in. And that's going to bring him to his knees, at which point you can do the thing. I, I love how Gabimaru is explaining this to Sagiri and just goes, I've got my mask and I can also hold my breath for like nine minutes. And then she just goes, what am I supposed to do? Not I don't die? know. <laughs> I don't know. Get good. <laughs> Oh, and um, conveniently, because he's such a big boy and needs to drink so much air uh, and is so high up, immediately falls over. Mm-hmm. But it's still flailing around, so he needs to be held in place. Uh, and we get I, I love the scene where he's doing his whole like villain flashback of like, it's not my fault. I'm a product of my environment. And like. Like this is a uh, like this is an arc in Inuyasha, although I think that also ends with him dying, but. This is different because it's um, he's a big monster. He constantly doesn't know what he's doing. It's not really his fault, but. Sagiri does her job. She executes someone who's a threat. He's he's killed people. He's hurt people. He has done wrong. And this is the punishment that absolves him from that. And we get a lovely scene of her just like telling the little baby in his head that he never really progressed past from. Hey, it's all over. It's okay. You can rest now. And we cut to her holding his head, and I'm just like, hmm, top tier. (laughs) Top tier. They did the Demon Slayer thing of you kill the person to get their backstory, and this is where we get the implication that he eats people, by the way. That was always strongly implied. (laughs) We kind of skimmed past uh, my favorite 
moment in this, which is while Gabimaru is busy trying to 1v1 and failing horribly, um, Sigiri is trying to tend to Genji's injury, and he's like, no, I'm already done. You're just a woman. Just get out of here. She, uh, you're trying to do a man's job. And she says, right now, I'm not a man or a woman. I'm just a person who doesn't want her comrade to die. Mm-hmm. And that line finally makes him snap out of the sexist mindset just long enough to be like, all oh, right, she's a person. Okay, right. here's your sword. Get in there. People can do things outside of their gender roles. Mm-hmm. Egalitarianism. I've learned it right before my death. Here, take my sword. Blech. To be fair, he also has a whole speech of like, hey, you've decided to stay on this island. Uh, there's evil here. You need to take care of it. Like... Mm -hmm. do not hesitate do not hold back i'm joking around but i think I'm, I'm joking around a little but his death is actually very well done I, mm -hmm. I really like how it's not his death that absolves him it's her coming to like he's not dying and that absolves him of things it's oh wait no you've made a good point i suddenly now realize where you've been coming from i understand where i was wrong you know what? Go, you, you're a samurai. Go ahead. You don't get to escape anymore. You know how I was telling you you can flee? Nope, you die here. Yep. There's evil on this island. You are going to take care of it because that's what a samurai would do. I mm. just love how he flips a switch and he's suddenly like, oh, cool, you're a samurai? Not going easy on you. You have decided this life. That's what this life is. Then she's finally able to, you know, it's like the, the, the scene where she's comforting like the baby version of the mountain giant. Like that's the that's the sword stroke that made her like love swordsmanship like that, like instant painless. You, you like you mm -hmm. just cease. She's able to succeed at it because she's been trying to emulate other people, but she has to make it her own. Mm -hmm. She embraces the emotion and the the guilt that she feels for taking a life, but still tempers that intensity with her uh, with her reason. And I love it when series do that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I love the I love the use your emotions as a tool, but don't let them control you. And that revealing a greater power, because that's a very human thing. That's it's, that. It's true. That works. Yeah, it's pretty top tier. I love it. It doesn't it doesn't give you magic powers, but it is actually a really helpful thing when you're trying to accomplish your goals. But man, when you have that moment of personal enlightenment, it sure feels like magic. <laughs> I love how she didn't just start crying and talk about how the pure light of her soul instantly makes people good. That's always that's always good. <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> I am Matt and I don't like Demon Slayer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and as it turns out, uh, Genji is totally fine because he can move the internal organs in his body. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's freaking dead because they leave him in the burning forest. <laughs> they don't have time for funeral rites, but uh, Sagiri, uh, like, acknowledges we're on a battlefield. This is not an executioner's platform. Mm -hmm. But the uh, the final chapter of our reading uh, has uh, cuts between our main party and the, the bandit bros. Because the main um, party has to run away because it turns out these weird fake deities on this island are attracted to fire. <laughs> Yeah, Which rather is than weird, rather than fleeing the burning section of the forest, they go towards it for 
I don't know why. And also, wow, the 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 like panel of the monsters walking towards the fire is so unsettling. I hate the big bearded man with his big <laughs> smile. I hate him so much. I love why Mr. is his frog? Why is his beard tentacles? I do like Mr. Frog. It's just um, vibing. Yeah, but so. anyway, the, the main characters flee. Um, mm -hmm. And we cut to the bandit bros who are just murder. They are doing fine. They are murdering their way through this place with literally no problem. <laughs> like to the point where Chobei has started uh, drinking the blood from the monsters to stay hydrated because, man, all this killing's thirsty work. I, the one thing I hope we get an explanation for at some point is why the butterflies aren't a bigger threat. <laughs> Yeah, you would think they'd be a more serious and consistent problem. But it was literally just the one guy got stung without noticing it and cut off his own head. I think the shonen anime reason is they're now just hyper vigilant of the insects and don't let them get that close. But like, yeah, because the uh, the last we saw of the butterflies was after the sword dragon cuts off his hand. He also bifurcates the butterfly in, like in a samurai movie move where it like splits into pieces this is also where the main party does their whole thing about like hey by the way the plants around here are made from humans so we don't eat those but they also have plants from just every other part mm -hmm. they also just have not human plants so we have to forage a little harder <laughs> and uh the bandit bros and they're wandering find a big statue of faces and atop that big statue of faces Sweet is it home Alabama uh what appears to be a pair of twin ladies doing a sexy together yep. doing a sexy thing the bandit bros are like weird what <laughs> what this is kind of hot, but uh, I don't trust anything on this island. So what is this? As they should. Hey, you're very attractive, but that's um, not really at either of our jam right now because we're just murdering our way to victory. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, shoot. <laughs> One of the ladies stands up and is like, why are there humans here? Are the guardian deities slacking off? Okay, so you two are officially weirdos that we need to kill. Let me get my giant axe. Oh, hey, do you want to bang us? Huh? <laughs> and as they are recovering from that, the one who stood up and asked why there are humans here turns into a hot dude and is like, time to kill these guys. <laughs> no, it's, it's even better than that. It's something along the lines of, ah, never mind, I've gone soft. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> in the midst of swapping physical sexes, he says, they say, it says, never mind, I've gone soft. Oh, Sam, succubi that can change gender or pronoun nightmare. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why. What's your name? <laughs> uh, you're right. You? You're right. They sh the bandit brothers. Paragons of virtue should have asked pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> To be uh, met with, what the fuck is that? Why do I care about that? It's a pronoun. <laughs> You're literally using them. And the uh, main party has stumbled across a random village, and Gabimaro's like, nope, don't trust it, not one bit. Nope, nope, nope. So much nope on this island. Ugh. 
and a mysterious cloaked uh, hooded figure watches them from the trees. And that's where we end our reading. So as always in a uh, rambunctious shonen like this, favorite character in favorite fight. Um, mm-hmm. To the surprise of literally nobody, Sigiri is my favorite character. <laughs> Based. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool sword lady. Really uh, interesting character arc. Very nuanced character. Overall uh, ball in motivation. It checks all the boxes for an instant favorite Sam character. Her clan is like the dumbest thing that, that appeals to the edgy 13 year old that still lives in my in my heart. <laughs> yeah, we, we skimmed over the bit that her clan has an entire branch of it is weird people who dissect criminal corpses to make medicine. Yep. And uh, my favorite fight. Well, I want to say Gabimaru and Sigiri versus the giant. I think it's got to be the one where Gabimaru and Sigiri fight on the island because it is this perfect uh, confluence of their character arcs. It uh, does so much uh, fun stuff with the uh, juxtaposition between different characters. It, it's and that beautiful denouement at the end. It's the it's it's a great foundation for their continued dynamic going forward and uh, peak. Uh, Jacob, how about you? Sigiri is honestly probably my favorite. Uh, if I wanted to uh, give a different answer uh, just to be different, I gotta say I really liked, again, it's one of those ones where it's like uh, favorite character isn't necessarily an upstanding moral paragon, but I really liked the complexity of Genji. But in all honesty, Genji exists in furtherance of Sigiri's growth, so uh, uh, I, I think it's pretty obvious who uh, my favorite character is. Uh, but this is another series that has a lot of great characters. Like I could, I could list the entire cast as runner-ups. Uh, as uh, as for favorite fight, I think the one that I actually liked the most was when uh, Gabi Maru uh, decided Sigiri is going to hold me back. I have to kill her after they had just killed the um, the weapon monk. Because in a lot of ways, the the big thing about that fight is. Uh, in contrast with Sam's uh, selection, which is also great, obviously, uh, for all the reasons stated. But the contrast with that and um, my pick is it did a lot to advance Gabi Maru's character, but it also advanced uh, Sagiri's character. It was mainly focused on Gabi Maru, but uh, because it was able to be a big character movement for both of them, uh, I feel like there was more to like, you know, sink the analytical teeth into, as it were. Especially considering both of them are obviously very far from any kind of major breakthrough at that point. So they still have a lot of like hangups to work through. Uh, you know, it also has the you know potential of further growth, which gets, you know, paid off in the final fight. Uh, Jay, how about you? Easily favorite character would be Gabi Maru. Um, because duh. Um, <laughs> favorite fight, um, probably I would have to say. Not really a fight, but I dislike the try to kill Gabi Maru montage that we got. <laughs> really interesting. <laughs> the opening chapters just parade of failure to end this one stupid idiot's life. This one yeah. sleepy, scrawny guy's life. I want this twinkle obliterated. Why can't you do it? <laughs> hey, don't say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, yes, Sam, but we don't say it in loud. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Matt. Uh, favorite character, favorite fight? Oh, I got to go with Gabi Maru. Uh, I, I am a sucker for person who realizes they're like bad and want to do better, but don't immediately just flip a good boy switch. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love that it is something he is struggling with, and each day he just tries to be a little better. And he backslides when he needs to because it's easy and comfortable. And that feels really they don't Real. make they don't make his change easy. And I love that. I love when a manga actually goes out of its way to say, hey, you know what? Being a good person is sometimes hard. In fact, a lot of times it's hard. That's why most people don't do it all the time. Well, actually, yeah, that that brings up a, a point I meant to uh, bring up earlier. Being complicit in the Shogun is something that uh, Sagiri is going to have to work through. Uh, Mountain Child's uh, executioner, his whole character arc is illustrating that uh, that's a that's a stain on Sagiri's character. Uh, I don't know. D- judging how this manga goes, they could easily paint Sagiri into I am following the rules. If the rules are unjust, then we need to deal with that. But from my point of view, how I acted was not. Well, yeah, but I, I, I think the element of needing to change the rules, she's not really doing anything about that. I have a feeling that's going to come up more. Uh, but anyway. But um, yeah, no, I, I really like Gabimaru because he's got that growth. He's got that. I'm trying to be a better person for my wife. Like it, it is. Ooh, it, he likes his wife. Gross. He does like his wife. What a nerd. <laughs> Girl loving weenie pants. But um, yeah, it's it's a very refreshing take on trying to be a better person that, you know, it comes up in our other discussions about lesser series. Uh, I find overly saccharine and kind of. Yeah, it, it it's like candy. It's like, oh, yes, I want redemption, but I don't want any of the grit with it. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's not. Yes. Sometimes you need the grit. Good luck. Good luck ever interacting with any person in real life then, because you're just going to walk away from that finding, like, wanting, because Mm -hmm. (laughs) turns out changing your life around completely uh, is hard and is not a one-day process. Uh, Favorite fight, I got to go with the the tag team, Gabimaru and Sagiri versus the giant, uh, because it's fun. I love my team battles. I love fights where the main characters get beaten up trying to get their one shot in because they're that outclassed, waiting for the one perfect blow. It even has the fun, like, kind of we're smarter than the opponent so let's do something like brash and idiotic because it will give us the shot we need mm-hmm. and then it's got that great catharsis at the end where they acknowledge the humanity of the person they've killed but also i don't know what else to do you've done a lot of bad things this is really the only way we're it's the this is how we can punish you and the like level of guilt there of like i wish we could have done this an easier way but we can't mm-hmm. i'm sorry this is how you get your like forgiveness. Yep. It again, completely top tier. The way this manga manages to do it, it ha- it uh, rejects the uh, thing of you know having the cake and eating it too, of having the rad action battles. But no, we have to be Paragon good boys. No, no, we we are having rad action battles and uh, struggling for uh, struggling to be better people in the process. Because that's more interesting. Uh, so thoughts on the direction of the plot and the nature of the island. 
I don't know. Right now, the plot has kind of entered its battle royale phase, and so I think we're going to be in that dynamic for a while. I think, and the whole bit with Usuria makes me think that there is going to be a character who will join the party, another one of the criminals, and you know, the it becomes a a big deal that they are trying to. Uh, help this person survive as well. I don't know if that's going to be Usuria. I think that she's going to take her uh, her boyfriend and leave at yeah. some point. <laughs> but I don't know, it'll probably be Mountain Kid, and hit, and uh, her executioner will uh, almost certainly die in a very heart wrenching manner. <laughs> that man is too himbo to live. <laughs> well, but also, what if he makes it to the end and then they get married? That would be really cute. That would be adorable. Yes. But that man is too himbo to live. <laughs> he does He does repeatedly say, I'm not very smart. Explain your motivation to me in simple terms. <laughs> My boy does get stabbed with a pincer at one point and luckily he survives because the poison drips out through the end that goes through his arm. <laughs> he's I, immortal. Yeah. He's so himbo. He's immortal. I like to give it. I like to give him the benefit of the doubt that he plays up the being a stupid samurai to force uh, the kid to explain her motivation so that so, she can so that say she it can out acknowledge loud. It. Yeah. No. Yes. But it's still funny. It is still funny. Yeah. Also, that's a real like level of intelligence to admit. I actually don't understand what you just said. I would like to understand. Could you? Please elaborate. <laughs> Explain it to me like I'm a fifth grader while I fight this sea monster. I would like to understand. Maybe over coffee or a light meal. Uh, but it's a, uh, yeah, uh, that is my, um, that's my thoughts on the direction of the plot. As for the silent, I know, man, this place is weird. Aliens. You know what? I'm with you, Jay. Aliens. I gotta go against the aliens. I. It's too weirdly specific about sin. Mm-hmm. Aliens well, would be a weird twist. I think you might it might be an over like complication of aliens. Aliens could be just any type of intelligence okay. that, you know, mankind has not had previous contact or knowledge of. OK, I'm sorry. If we expand the definition of aliens to be anything, I suppose. Yep, it's aliens. Then. <laughs> I didn't think that far ahead. I'll go with a more narrow aliens. I think it could be aliens entirely because uh, an outside force observes the religious practices of humans and doesn't get it. And that's why it seems like a child mashing things together, because they don't have an intimate understanding of the religious imagery that they're appropriating. Eh, but it it's the mockery's too on point, though, mm. because you've got the the deities who are all chanting killing anything is a sin even the fish even the insects while brutally murdering these people mm. and like you've got the the sex twins who are just like hey you want a bonus now nah, we're done what do you do and it's like the sex twins who um have the ability to change their physical sex and that's sort of uh like they're, they're uh, just boundary like yeah, that sort of boundary transgression is another one of those uh, things that comes up a lot in, you know, spiritual stuff about, you know, the natural order and what and all mm -hmm. that BS. <laughs> all, all that BS. <laughs> I don't know. 
But no, yeah, you just got to say it with confidence. I, I, I think it's too on the nose to be an outside force. There's so like, you think it's something that's existed. It's just beyond human I, comprehension. I, I genuinely think they might be in hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, like, yeah. Like, cause they are in a place that criminals have been sent to. And yeah. the first party was all destroyed with no chance of survival. It's only these criminals that are even existing within it. And upon it, they're constantly faced with sin. Mm-hmm. And it's getting more and more elaborate as they go deeper into the island, because we got these weird like deities that kind of just shout sin. Then we've we're entering these two like succubi who are like, hey, hey. Come join us. Oh, no. Cool. We're just going to kill you. How'd you get this far in? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I took away something different from that exchange. More of like they were curious, like, of how humanity even like made it this like genuinely like you weren't supposed to make it this far. Who the heck are you? And the whole, um, you know, oh, do you want to have sex with us was kind of just like a jump reaction of just like, ooh, humans never come this far kind of thing it's just kind of i don't necessarily think that they were trying to solicit anything it was more of just like outright curiosity yes and also just i guess genuine surprise it's just kind of like the heck no no i i I think matt's onto something look at the title oh it does say we're in (laughs) hell you're right yeah Yes, but is it metaphorically or is it quite literally? Oh, or is it going to be the metaphor of hell on earth? There you go. I said it. Oh, is that a metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> That's just what it is. It's literally hell on earth. Uh, yeah, I, 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 think, I think there are fair points to be made for, for both aspects. Because I do think, um, I do think uh, a, a mockery via a lack of understanding versus how on the nose it is. I don't think we have enough evidence to uh, throw it one way or the other. Um, so maybe more in- research is needed. So we should continue reading. I'll, I'll go yes. weird out in left field. Um, sentient plant monster that has been absorbing people for food and as such creates things out of their desire to implant seeds within them. Yeah, that sounds like a plant that a certain plant that you read about in a certain book. All right, print it. That's the one. <laughs> well that brings yes. us to the end of our reading uh if you enjoyed this episode or want to listen to any others you can go reach out to us uh, at over cast on twitter facebook uh probably some other things i don't know uh we also have a website which is great for interacting with us www.overmongacast.com where you can find our reviews of any and all form that we appreciate or there's a nice comment section at the bottom or you can just go listen to our episodes there they're all great uh, if you want to reach out to us directly, you can reach us uh, over email at overmongacast at gmail.com. We appreciate reviews, any and all forms. And, you know, just if you have something you want us to read, send it to us. We'll check it out. Eventually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Sometimes we have a bit of a tight schedule. Uh, we're also on uh, YouTube, if you prefer. Uh, the episodes are up on a two-week delay, uh, but you can uh, catch up on all of our backlog there. Mm-hmm. Like, comment, and subscribe. And make sure to tune in next week, where we are going to be returning to the wild world of Kaiju number eight. Yay! I'm so happy. 
We're going to yes. be reading chapters 41 through 55. So if you're keeping up with the show, read those. And we will see you all next Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Okay. So legitimately, everybody, you know what's happening is Gabimaru actually died the first time he was executed. And this entire thing is just within his head as he's dying because he was a bad person. So he went to hell's paradise, you know, you know, you know. Why don't we ever learn his wife's name? Ha! <laughs> <laughs>